0: And the Bible says here in Galatians 4, we'll just read in verse number 4, it says, But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth His Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because ye are sons, God hath sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Wherefore, thou art no more a servant, but a son, and if a son, then an heir of God, through Christ Christ. Sometimes I struggle on uh, what to uh, share on Steve uh, in the years past, I just kind of read the passages, and um, I thought, boy, we kind of go through all of those when we do the song uh, the songs and, uh, and those scriptures that go along with it, and it kind of felt redundant and um, so there were several things I, could, I thought about you know we could talk about uh, of course, Christ, you know, the prophecies, building up to Christ in his life. And then, of course, the future, which right before we sang Joy to the World, sets where several of those were as Christ would come and establish his kingdom, which, by the way, is what Joy to the World is actually about. That wasn't a Christmas song when the author of that song wrote it. He was thinking about the Millennial Kingdom, when Christ would come and rule and reign from the throne of his father, David. And, um, and so I was trying to think through this, and, and I thought, you know, it's interesting when we consider our faith, when we consider the Bible and the redemption plan, how God, how he took time to sort of unfold this thing. We go all the way back to Genesis, and, and as soon as we see sin enter the world, as soon as we see the fall, God already began working and revealing his plan. And, uh, and He, of course, he lays out the curse, and he talks about the man and how from the sweat of his brow he's going to work and labor and those things, but it's a curse that will be for his benefit. By the way, it's for your benefit, men, uh, that you're going to work by the sweat of your brow. Um, I think we still would have had to work. It just wouldn't be all sweaty, all right? Uh, so we can blame Adam for that. But, uh, but God lays that out for Adam. And then he goes to the woman, and he talks about pain in and childbirth and, and that her uh, uh, desire will be to the husband, but he's going to rule over her and so forth. But then he says this, but, but you're going to have a son one day. And the seed of the woman is going to crush the serpent's head. Now, that's interesting because when we talk about the seed, usually we're talking about the man's seed in Scripture, and uh, it talks about, you know, and -and so-and-so. We got so-and-so, and we got so-and-so. We kind of go through there, but this is very unusual, that God promises the seed of a woman, the virgin birth. We see that all the way back in Genesis chapter 3. And so all throughout these prophecies, there's, there, there, there was discussions and there was talks about this one day this Redeemer would come. And even in Israel's backslidden condition, as God was in prophet after prophet after prophet, Isaiah comes into the scene, and, and in Isaiah, God promises Israel, He says, Look, because of your sins and your iniquities, I've turned my face from you, and it's separated between you and your God that I won't even hear you. And He's talking about Israel's problem and Israel's backslidden condition. But then He says this, But I will send a Redeemer to Zion. Whoa. Amidst all this, amidst how, how gracious God has been to his people, he still says, but don't worry, there's still a redeemer coming. There's still a plan. Would you mind getting that? Thanks. There's still a redeemer coming. And so the Bible tells us here in Galatians 4, but when the fullness of time was come, we sang tonight Isaiah 9:6. For unto us a son is born, a child is born, unto us a son is given. And you know, we sing that, but you know, that was 700 years. Before Mary. Think about that. How, how long has America been in existence as, a, as an official country? 250, 260 years? 700 years wait for this prophecy. In that 700-year time period, there was 400 years where there was no prophecy of any kind. We call that the, the, the silent years, the intertestament time period. And in that time, those 400 years, they went under four different captivities. Let me let me just ask you: How patient do you think you would be waiting for this coming Messiah? At some point, maybe we missed it. Maybe we followed a false religion. Maybe you see what I'm saying? I mean, I mean, think about this: Israel was in such a, a dis, place of despair and such a difficult time. But the Bible tells us, about when the fullness of time was come." See, God's not late. God knows exactly what He's doing. I think about when I was a child, and. Uh, Right after Thanksgiving, you know, you kind of start gearing up towards Christmas, and some of you, how many of you wait till after Thanksgiving before we put up the tree? Okay, so you have that rule. How many of you put up before Thanksgiving? You guys are sick. Okay. <laughs> Something changed when I moved out of the house. All of a sudden, my mom, she's got it up, like, you know, in August. I mean, I was like, what are you doing? And she's playing. I was like, you're, you're crazy. But anyways, I think you belong in the North Pole is what I think you need. But, but, uh, But anyways... I remember as a kid, right? Okay, as soon as that's done, my, my, my daughter, she almost has it like set two o'clock, like an alarm goes off, right? As soon as, okay, it's six o'clock, Thanksgiving night, uh, music's coming on, decorations are coming out, you know, it's like oh, you can't just, you know, enjoy the turkey coma for a few minutes longer. <laughs> but but I remember as a kid, it seemed like forever getting to Christmas morning. And every day I might see another present show up, or every few days, there's oh there's another present under the tree. And you go and you see who's that one for, and you check the tag. And I know none of you peaked, but you checked the tag, right? And uh, and it seemed like to take forever to get here. All right. Now I'm an adult. I'm like, what are you talking about? We just set up the tree, and it's already Christmas time. You know, I feel like I haven't even enjoyed it yet. But that waiting time, and the waiting time, it seems like it never got there. And then it finally came. Well, that's what it was. As God had a plan from before the foundation of the world, when the fullness of time was come. And we can talk about all of the things that happened within that time. You know, Of course, we have the Roman roads. We have the, the Greek language. We have all these different things that just seem to be just so perfect, just so pivotal, uh, relative peace to travel. So you think about the evangelistic aspect of, of the gospel going out when God raised up the Apostle Paul, and we see all that stuff going on. We can look at the generational lineage of, uh, I love the breakdown in, uh, in um, I believe it's in Matthew, where it's 14 years here and then 14 years here. The numbers all add up, and the fullness of time was come. God raised a young man to raise his son. God raised up a woman who would carry the son to bring him into this world to die for man. When the fullness of time was come. When awesome thought, you know, God's never late. God knows exactly what's going on. And by the way, he's never late in your life either. Now, there have been times, Lord, you're late. That midnight, that midnight miracle that you need. But God knows exactly what's going on. God is sovereign in this stuff. When the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son. God sent forth his son. Now, what is this son? When we talk about the son of God, I remember I had some Jehovah's Witnesses knocking on my door one time. and They were trying to try and promote some children's stuff that they had. And, uh, and uh, of course, they never disclose who they are, who they're with. So you look at their stuff, and you look at the back, oh, jw.org, okay. And I uh, started figuring things out. And I, I said, well, you know. Problem is, we don't, we don't agree on the same stuff. Like, oh, don't you want your kids to learn morality and those kinds of things? I said, yeah, but we don't have the same starting point. And they said, well, we believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And I said, but do you believe He's God the Son? They said, ah, oh, well, have a nice day. And they walked away. But that Son is very significant. The the fact that he did not have an earthly father, that God, uh, the heavenly father, was his father, that 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 child which was born of Mary was conceived by the Holy Ghost. Uh, Jesus did not have the Adamic blood flowing through his veins. uh, He did not have that that sin flowing through his blood that had to be atoned for. He came perfect. He came as God taking on flesh. He is God in the flesh. In the beginning was the Word. The Word is with God and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. Uh, 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 John 1.14 says, And the Word, the same Word, became flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld His glory, the glories of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. That's God taking on flesh in the person of Jesus Christ, God the Son. I know sometimes that kind of baffles our mind when we start talking about the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Are they different? Are they the same? Are they? Yeah, they're three distinct persons, but they are one. And God... Clothed, veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. Hail the incarnate deity. Don't you love the doctrine in some of these songs? God took on flesh. When the fullness of time was come, God sent forth His Son. To what end? To what purpose? Why did God send forth His Son? But God commanded His love toward us. While we are yet sinners, Christ died for us. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Jesus came with a purpose. God sent his son with a purpose. He was sent made of a woman, again, uh, referencing the fulfillment, the completion of the prophecy all the way back in Genesis 3.15. The first glimpse of the gospel has now come to full fruition made of a woman, made under the law. John 1 tells us he came into his own, and what did his own do with it? They received him not. But to as many as received him, Jesus Christ, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Wow. What power. But he came under the law. Why is that significant? Because the law is what's been violated. The holy righteous nature of God has been violated. You say, well, doesn't Romans make a distinction between they that are under the law and they that are without the law? Yeah, very much does. God came into his own. He came into those that were under the law, the Jewish people, the them of the circumcision is often referred to. And uh, so what about those Gentiles? What about the rest of us? Oh, Romans addresses that too. That those that are without the law are law unto themselves. And as God has written the law upon their heart and their conscience bearing record uh, with them, either accusing or else excusing them. And so the idea is this, that those that have the law, there definitely is a higher standard. There be the, they have the written revelation of God. But then there are those that were without the law, were a law to themselves. Hey, how are you doing in light of your own conscience? See, we're all guilty before God. We are guilty before God. And the fact that God wrote his law in our hearts shows us that the whole world will be guilty. And every mouth will be stopped. we would be found silent before God. Made under the law, to what end? To what purpose? To redeem them that run to the law. What good is it to step in and try to do something that you really don't have the ability to do? God took on flesh, and the Bible tells us in Hebrews that He was tempted in all points like us, yet without sin. That is very important because something I struggled with as a child, I thought, well, if God loves us and God wants us to be saved and be with Him in heaven, why did Jesus have to die? Isn't God all powerful? Can't He just forgive sin? By the way, did you know there are some things about God's own character and nature that he limited himself? Like, let's say it this way. There are some things God can't do. I love of We say, well, God can do anything, right? There are some things God can't do. By his own nature, he limited himself. God cannot save you or let you into heaven unless you are born again. God can't change. God can't lie. Do you know that? And God can't let you into heaven unless you were born again. And, and, and so this idea that God, he is also a just God. And so he can't just say, oh, you're sorry? Well, okay, I'm just going to wipe away your sins because there's no justice in that. Sin, a, a transgression of the law, requires a payment. Right? I mean, I mean, we can even boil it down to a very simple thing like a parking ticket. He broke a law. You broke an ordinance. And so therefore, a penalty had to be, had to be paid for. Otherwise, are, there's an imbalance of justice. And you're running from the law until you pay that parking ticket. I mean, really. <laughs> now, we might make light of that because, well, that's not really that big of a deal. And yeah, I'm sure you're not going to get locked up for not paying a parking ticket. But that's the concept. God is just. And God in His justice and God in His holiness... When his own righteous, holy nature is violated, even something as simple as a lie deserves an eternity in the lake of fire. For all liars shall have their place in the lake of fire. And fearful and unbelieving, right alongside the murderer, rapist, and so on. You say, well, that seems a little harsh. No, no, that's how holy he is. See, we are so comfortable with sin, we think it's no big deal. That's how holy he is. But let me say this. He loves us and stepped in. And if I can say it this way. I'm trying to think of a word to say. In a sense, sort of set his holiness aside. He was holy. He's never stopped being holy. But for him to condescend to such a filthy place. walk among sinners, let sinners handle him, touch him, defile him, abuse him, crucify him. He went all the way without committing a single sin to pay the price for sinners. He he was brought, made under the law. He came under the law to redeem them that are under the law. Get this now that we might receive adoptions of sons. If you have your Bible there in Galatians 4, let's back up a few verses. Paul's making a case to the Galatians about their position in Christ, and he says, uh, verse 1, Now I say that the heir, the one who's a, who's a direct heir who's going to receive an inheritance, as long as he is a child, deferreth nothing from a servant. In other words, uh, in, the, in the system there, uh, there was no difference between a child and a servant. You've not reached, the word that's translated in English is adoption, but it's, it's such a fuller word than even how we talk about adoption today. It carries the idea of coming into full maturity to be an heir. And so he says, as long as you're a child, there's no difference between you and a servant. A servant, the, the master does not owe them anything. Same thing as a child in those days. You earn that, you come to that position. There is still an element of this that carries over in the Jewish tradition. Uh, they have what's called a bar mitzvah. You say, what is that? That is a coming of age. You're now, you're now considered a man in the Jewish family. And there's all the responsibilities, but there's all the privileges that come with that as well. And so he says this, there's nothing that differs between you, a servant and this child, though he be lord of all, but is under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the father. So, so they're being prepared for this time, being prepared for what's to come, but they are not there yet. Even so we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world, but when the fullness of time was come. So when he says what he does is he brings us into adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father, it's more than just, oh, he's my father and I'm his child, but we're brought into that fullness, full maturity of that relationship. So he says, I can now make you an heir. It's not just, oh, you have the family name, but you ha- you're an heir of this. Think about that. So whenever you see, by the way, whenever you see adoption by Christ, Abba Father, that's what it's referring to. I have a direct line to the Father. I have direct access to the Father, and I'm a joint heir with the Lord Jesus Christ because of what He has done for me by placing my faith in Him. Verse number 6, and because ye are sons... God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son, thus the Lord Jesus Christ, into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Wherefore, because of that, there are no more a servant, but a son. No more a servant, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Talked a little bit this morning about have you received the gift of Christmas? Folks, there's so much we can unpack about this concept of what God did for us. And if you're here tonight, I hope that you are saved. I hope you have trusted Christ as your Savior. But maybe there's a question mark hanging over your soul thinking, you know what? I I don't know if I'm an heir. It doesn't feel like I'm an heir. When we look at these words, like Christ died to redeem us, to to settle the account, I mean, there's so many different ways we can use it. There's a lot of word pictures in Scripture. But the idea is this, that you and I, uh, (laughs) there's a song in our songbook uh, called The Old Account Was Settled Long Ago. Folks, there is a record of our sin. How many of you would be excited to let that thing leak out? There's a record of our sin. And God doesn't miss a thing. He's a good record keeper. He's just, which means no sin can go unpunished. And we really have two options. I can approach this thing as a servant. And all that sin, those sins are on my account. And one day I have to stand before this just and holy God and give an account for these things that were done. Or, the Bible tells us in Colossians, ye who are dead in trespasses and sins, have He quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. And it says that, that God had, had taken the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, it was contrary to us, took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. And folks, the question tonight is this Are the sins on your account or are your sins on Christ's account? But every sin will be taken care of. Are they, am I taking care of them or is Christ taking care of them? And folks, that was the point of Christ's coming. You might say, Well, preacher, this is Christmas, it's about a baby and a manger and gifts and, and sweets and all these things. You're talking about death, you're talking about sin and like a fire and all this stuff, folks. That's why he came. That is why he came. You can't preach, you can't properly deal with the birth of Christ without talking about the death and the resurrection of Christ and the deity of Christ. This is who he is. This is why he came. This is what he does for us. But thanks be to God for this unspeakable gift. What a thought. What a thought. So I ask you tonight, where are your sins tonight? Are you carrying them? Are you trying to atone for them? Or did Christ do what you cannot do when he died for them on Calvary? The Bible says that he died. I'm trying to think of the verse now. Let me look it up real quick. Apologize. I want you to see this verse here if I could spell right There it is He was delivered for for uh no that's not the word I was looking for it Says this then uh, in Romans um 4 Verse 25, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. How important that is, by the way. You you have to believe the resurrection. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. He was delivered for our offenses. Why did he come? For my offense. For your offense. Why did he die? For my offense. For your offense. But it didn't end there. He rose again for our justification. The word justification is such a rich word. If you ever have a chance to study that thing out. But it means this. That God put into me his own righteousness. That God made me righteous. The the, the word, if we were to carry it straight over from the Greek, it would be this. (laughs) Righteousified. I made God's righteousness because of what he has done. Folks, what a gift. That is the gift of Christmas. And so, just take a moment here. Um, Let's go ahead and just bow our heads in just a moment. We're going to close out our service here in just a minute. We'll have our candlelight portion. But I don't want to share this gift of Christmas without at least giving an opportunity. Maybe someone's here tonight. They say, you know, preacher, truth be told, I I don't know where I stand with God.